0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second-to-last episode of the Summer Sports Spectacular on a Friday morning, bringing it to you. Everything has changed this week. If you hadn't already listened to episode 20, Drew and I did a huge review on everything that happened in the NBA season this year, including our Milwaukee Bucks winning the NBA championship. Drew, I officially bought a shirt, a hat, and a lanyard, and I am Jordan Lorenz, talking to Drew Skyberg. Well, Jordan, I thought you were a Celtic fan, so I see a little bandwagon copied, maybe? I don't know what's going mm. on here. The way I explained it to someone is I am from Wisconsin, so it's not a bandwagon. I was born here. They're my team, Wisconsin, through and through. You know, you can't take that away from me. There's no bandwagon here. So, why? Are they, well, I
1: don't even know why the Boston stuff. I've never heard that story. Maybe that's for another time, but...
0: Yeah, I don't... I, Honestly, couldn't even tell you why I'm a Celtics fan. I think I just like their big, they had more than a big three, but years ago when they had Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Rajon Rondo, KP, they had right, Scalbrini. Yes, with Doc Rivers coaching, that was a powerhouse back in the day. Maybe that's when I liked them. I don't know. But like I said, I liked Boston teams. I was a big Red Sox fan back in the day. Actually spawned a trip to Boston and whatever. That was such a fun trip. I still... Should have bought him signed Mookie Betts Baseball. Think of how much cheaper they would have been back in 2015 compared to now. One of my biggest regrets in life right there. But we're not here to talk about baseball or basketball. We are here to talk about the 1992 NCAA Division 1A football season. Miami comes into the season number one in the preseason poll. They don't lose a game all year. They stay number one through and through and sitting pretty right behind them. Alabama, Alabama, Crimson Tide. And these are two big teams, Drew. I mean, when you think of college football, now you think about Alabama. But I think people forget Miami was a powerhouse back in the day.
1: Yeah, in the 90s. I mean, Miami really was a successful program. They won a lot of games. Their quarterback, Gino Toretto, was 26-1, and I believe, as a starter. Something ridiculous like that. So yeah, that just, that just proves this Miami, this Miami team is no joke.
0: uh, After watching this game, I should say, we would not have expected Gino to be 26 and one as a starter, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk all about it before we get there. A few things back when college now in episode one, we talked about rule changes and conference changes. We got a few for you here in the 1992 season fumbles could now be recovered and advanced by the defense anywhere on the field. So previously it was only applied to fumbles beyond the line of scrimmage, except for backward passes and muffed punts and kickoffs, which could be recovered by the defense, but not advanced. And this is huge because imagine getting a fumble and not being able to t- return it. Fumble returns can be the most exciting things at times.
1: Yeah. I'm surprised it was this long until that happened. I, I guess I really went have thought about it like that. Like this is like 29 years ago and they finally made that change. now. now.
0: Yeah, that's huge. I mean, imagine watching a game today and they get a fumble and they just got to stand there. I, that's wild to me. And one of the college rules I don't like is how when so like, even if a wide receiver is wide open and he makes a catch, but he falls down, like he dives to get it, he's down. So like in college, that's one of my pet peeves. You don't have to be touched to be down. If you touch the ground, you're down. So that's just something I've always not been a big fan of. I like the one foot rule though. What are your thoughts on that? One foot to be in bounds. I like it.
1: I like the one foot too. I mean, it makes those exciting catches like more probable to
0: happen now because now we don't have to rule them incomplete if they don't have both feet in, you know? 100%. I agree. Second rule change. Now we're back on track. While overtime was not introduced for regular season games until 1996, which is crazy to me, the Kansas tiebreaker procedure was permitted for the SEC championship game beginning in 1992, both teams would be allowed a chance to score by beginning their drive at the 25-yard line. So another one here, there was no overtime until 96? That is crazy. I don't understand why. they're I really just don't get it at all. So conference changes real quick. Just a few I wanted to mention. Akron goes from independent to the MAC. Arkansas goes from the SWC to the SEC. Arkansas State goes from a wa- Division One AA Independent to A uh, Division. I keep trying to say I Division One AA Independent to Division One A Independent. So Arkansas State moving their way up. Two more. Florida State goes from independent to the ACC. That's a big jump. And then Fresno State goes from the Big West to the WAC. So that's basically. Everything there. We're going to talk about the conference standings real quick. Drew, your prediction nineteen ninety two. How did Wisconsin do? What do you think?
1: I'm going to say, ooh, the early nineties. I'm going to say they weren't that good yet. I'm going to say they were. Uh, how many? How many games a did little, they
0: play? Eleven games they played. So I'm going to say like five and six. That is a hundred percent correct. Five and six was Actually, Wisconsin. Did yeah, look that that you didn't look? Did not look. I promise you. We'll take your word on it. I mean, you could have just not said anything that people would have had no clue. But of the tab here, he says he didn't look. Wisconsin was five and six, just three and five in conference. Only two ranked teams from the Big Ten, those being Michigan and Ohio State. But Drew, you're going to talk all about these Miami Hurricanes. Or were you talking Alabama? I don't even remember what we said.
1: I'm talking Alabama, Jordan Okay,
0: go for it. They were number, well, technically number two. But obviously, they were number one, way ahead in their standings.
1: Yeah, they really were, Jordan. I their schedule. I mean, they 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 won all their games fairly easy. I mean, they had a few close games here, here and there. Like they had a seventeen to ten victory against um, Southern Mississippi, and then one big game, October seventeenth, nineteen ninety two, at number thirteen Tennessee. Ninety seven thousand three hundred eighty eight people were in attendance, and it was on ABC and they got to watch the Alabama Crimson Tide beat Tennessee 17 to 10 and this this was also a great year for Alabama considering it was their 100th year as a fo- as a not a football program but as a um it actually was 100 years of Alabama football i stand corrected so wow. that's crazy stuff and this just this team i mean they were they're top of the SEC Western Division with a 8-0 no conference record, and then they went to go and play 6-2 uh, and two Florida, number 10 Florida in the SEC championship, and they won that 28-21. So they're, yep, they're so far 12-0, and and they made it to the championship, the uh, Sugar Bowl.
0: And that they did, and who are they playing? Number one, Miami. This Miami team comes into the year undefeated, reigning, defending national champions and they're looking to go back-to-back, back. 24-7 win against Iowa, 38-0 win over Florida A&M. Season is looking good to start, but then an 8-7 to win over Arizona. Talk about a downgrade, just putting up eight points, barely getting the win. Drew had a big game. There's a big one for Miami as well. 96,000 people as number one Miami traveled to Penn State, so that is a huge Huge game, 96,000 people for a noon kickoff there. Miami played number 23, number three, number seven, and number eight throughout the year. So they're playing some pretty good competition. Alabama played, it looks like, three three top, top 15-ish seeds as well. So that's really not too bad. And then they finish off the year 63-17 to win over San Diego State. That being on November 28th. And I think this is one of the big keys. They go from November 28th to January 1st without playing a game. That is a lot of off time as they wait for the national championship. Alabama went December 5th to January 1st. So not like it's much better, but still you got a month to prepare for the other team. The Louisiana Superdome Sugar Bowl. Technically it's the 1993 Sugar Bowl because it took place on January 1st, but it's for the 1992 season for the national championship game, Drew. It's nothing. There's nothing bigger than this in football. Number one seed, number two seed. Let's settle it on the field.
1: Exactly. And right when I turn the game on also, Jordan, I want to touch on that right away. I see the great Keith Jackson yet again. And then we see one of our old friends, Bob Greasy from the Super Bowl seven. So that was, that was great to see. I don't know if you recognize
0: made that connection, but absolutely. These guys just keep coming back. We can't get rid of them. I'm sure they're, I
1: don't know I'm just talking about history I mean just it's all the these previous eight episodes and all this one we always just see stuff reoccur we see got old friends the whole time we saw Mike Stanton for baseball we saw him pitching two world series games we watched so
0: it's, it's just that's just how it works it's awesome and like we said guys the wheel chose these games I had like 25 that we put together and one day after we recorded a podcast we spun the wheel and got the whole schedule banged out, but I don't think we're going to see any of these guys next week, 1976 college basketball, but who knows? You never know, right? What if they're just sitting in the crowd doing nothing? So the game is on ABC as we turn it on. And now we have to say this was a gridiron classic from ESPN. So that means little bits and pieces are cut out from time to time. They try and stretch keep it to like a two hour game to air on espn classic that channel that's not a thing anymore is it they got rid of that right
1: yeah i'm not sure i noticed on the bottom because they had like the um headlines like
0: modern day stuff
1: it it was from 2016 2017 because it was like there was like greg monroe on the bucks had a good game and stuff like that
0: i was so confused it was talking about clay thompson and on the bottom and i'm like there's no way this dude played basketball in 92 like what's going on but yeah that was modern day stuff on the bottom regardless it was about an hour 34 minutes, I believe, this game. First half absolutely flew by. And as we know, Gino Toretta, as we said, 26 and one as a starter for this Miami team, taking on Jay Barker from Alabama. But quickly we realize it's the running game from Alabama. Miami, three and out to start. So Jitters getting into them a little bit. They can't go anywhere. Alabama, huge punt return. They get down to the 24 yard line. But they aren't able to convert. It's three nothing. They make a field goal, and I think right away, big stop by a Miami defense. I thought they were going to be a powerhouse, and they were going to stick their ground. But it didn't really happen throughout the rest of the game. No,
1: it really didn't, Jordan. What we really what we saw was we saw actually the Alabama defense step up. I mean, they got seven guys, uh, seven of their eleven starters were all SEC. Four of those seven were All Americans, and that defense, oh, they really. They really got Geno Toretta this number. They, whew.
0: yeah, they did. We'll talk about stats throughout the game. I got some halftime ones, third quarter ones, and we'll talk about them it at the end. But Miami, third and four, they have a nice little screen pass, get some pass mid- midfield. They make a field goal. So field goals have been huge in all the games we've been watching. Some of them were like multiple missed ones, but Miami makes one there. Alabama, we go to the second quarter now. They make a field goal. So they're up six three right now. And then Alabama has the ball. So like I said, the feet cut Alabama. We saw make a field goal. And now we're at 1048 in the second quarter, Alabama ball once again, but they fumble Miami gets the ball off a fumble. They're trying to move it down. Then they throw an interception and early into this game, both teams have turned the ball over twice. And one of the key, key players that took advantage of these Derek classic, this dude had 105 yards on the ground midway through the second quarter. Then it is a rushing touchdown for Sherman Williams. He finished the game just seven carries for 18 yards, but he gets the touchdown three here. It's 13 to three, Alabama leading. What are you thinking about Miami at this point? They aren't looking too well.
1: They really aren't. What really killed them was, I mean, turnovers. And then, I mean, Derek, like the Alabama running game was just. They were just a powerhouse. They had some good runs. I mean, offensive guards—they were pulling, they were cut blocking their guys, and LASIK was really able to go where, get wherever he wanted. I and mean, it didn't really matter who they had at quarterback because they were just running. They were just running the ball. They knew they could run it on Miami, and they knew they, they couldn't
0: stop it. And that's what happened. Are you ready for these halftime stats? So Miami makes a field goal, 13-6 at halftime. Listen to this: Alabama, one hundred fifty two rushing yards to six of Miami, Miami, 127 passing yards to 12 of Alabama. This is insane. You want to talk about two different teams, two entirely different game plans. Alabama has 146 more rushing yards than Miami and Miami has 115 more passing yards. I mean, it doesn't get any more opposite than this. Alabama had 16 minutes, 55 seconds for time of possession, 1305 for Miami. Anything you want to touch on there or you want to jump into the second half?
1: Yeah, totally different strategies. And I mean, that's Gino Toretta. That's really why he won the Heisman. He, he won the 1992 Heisman. And the main reason why was it, the system he was in really allowed him to just be a gunslinger, just throw the ball downfield. And that's, that's kind of what their game plan was against Alabama. And Alabama had some blitz packages dialed up and he really didn't have a lot of time at all. The offensive line was truly a weakness for this Miami team.
0: I would have to agree there. Like the Buccaneers Packers game, you know, Aaron Rodgers goes down over and over and over again, keeps getting hit. So we'll talk about Gino at the end of the game. He had a lot of passing yards. He still had a decent day that wise, but the passing, they, the passes just weren't going anywhere. You know, they weren't getting points out of it, weren't making the most of it. Here in the second half, Alabama three and out right away. So Miami, you're down seven. This is your chance to take over, but they throw an interception on the very first play And Alabama. They get their points, man. 14 points off Miami turnovers right away. It's 20 to six. That was Elasic getting a touchdown. It was on a beautiful second effort, getting into that goal line, two touchdowns on the day for Elasic. just a 21 yard drive. So They really didn't have to do anything off that interception, Alabama. Up twenty to six, and then they throw a pick six. At this point, I wanted to turn the game off. You're looking at a guy, in Gino Toretto, Heisman Trophy winner, twenty six and one as a starter. Dare I say, maybe having the worst game of his life?
1: Yeah, I would. I would not disagree with that, Jordan. And I mean, Gino Toretto, like scouts, that they held this game a little bit against him. Uh, he was not like a prospect, you know, who was like. Gaten, who's like I mean a top guy in to the draft? Even though he just won the Heisman, Jordan. Guess what round he got drafted in the NFL? Fifth, seventh.
0: Oh wow, had, even worse.
1: Seventh round. He only saw one action in one NFL game, and was it was that
0: preseason or it was a normal game? Nope,
1: normal game. Okay. Five for 16, 41 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and that
0: was it. Hey, at least he got a touchdown out of that. I mean, I mean, yeah. still, it's terrible though for you to go Heisman. Another one of those things, college to pros, a completely different animal, and it takes a really special player to be able to play at such a high level in both of those. It was talking about Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson on the bottom of the screen as well. I mean, they were mentioning some big names at the time, but 27 6, Alabama leads at this point, and it looks like Miami's doing something good. They have a nice deep throw defender running down the field, and the ball is stripped out of his hands. Couldn't have been done any better by Alabama, however. They were offside, so none of it mattered. This strip play, though, I mean, this was fantastic.
1: Yeah, it was truly just a heads-up play by the defender, and it was it was one of the crazier plays I've seen. I mean, there's so many things going on, a penalty, a, long, a great throw, an excellent throw, and then just, um, that, like you mentioned, that strip from behind, and
0: just it had a lot of action that one play. That was huge, and probably the best throw all game, and then for it to be, well, almost fumbled, but they get the offside. Miami can't do anything. They're forced to punt Alabama ball around midfield and then our feed cuts once again. So it's in the fourth quarter. And I had a few more stats I wanted to read through the third quarter here. I mean, it's 27 6. Miami, they're trailing. They've had the play wise though. Miami's had 49 plays, Alabama's had 55. So they're kind of close in that aspect. Alabama 12 first downs to 10 of Miami. But here we go with this again, 209 rushing yards for Alabama, 11 rushing yards for Miami, then passing 187 for Miami, 18 for Alabama, four turnovers through three quarters of play for Miami. And we know Alabama has been making the most of those turnovers. So Miami ball, as we see it, and they're forced to punt once again. I mean, at least their punter is getting some action because, Really nothing else is going against them. And what about this call here? The false start? No one moved. This was offside. I don't understand what happened.
1: Did they called the false start in the center, if I'm not mistaken, because he kind of moved his head up like he flinched up with the guy, but the guy was like right on top of him. So I don't know what you expect to do. Just like flop, like like just take the hit. Like it was it was um an interesting call, but I, I saw what the refs were coming from, but like at the same time, like come on.
0: Yeah, in live action though, you see the offside first. Like yeah. you really got to be looking. Mm-hmm. Super, it took her super close.
1: It took me the replay to finally like understand a little bit, but like I don't know how they would call that in live time. That just was nuts.
0: I was going to mention that we did get replays for some plays, which is good. No scoreboard throughout. I mean, they put it up from here and there, which I still find super annoying. But at this call as well I you talked about the replay I've actually rewound it because the first time I didn't see anything and then I went back and I was like eh, and the announcers sure really didn't do a good job explaining anything either but speaking of the announcers this oh my punt God. return from Miami they didn't say a word this is a 78 yard punt return touchdown a record in the sugar bowl Miami could be getting back into this game it's 27 13 after it but this punt return call—one of the worst things I have ever heard in my life. He wasn't over enthusiastic. He wasn't annoying. He was just quiet. He was monotone. He like acted like nothing happened. Yeah, like and Kev- it was Kevin Williams. He had this
1: like fantastic um, return. He's breaking tackles. It looked like he was down, and then he managed to just cut right to just stay in bounds down the line, seventy-eight yards, and the guy and. Announcer was it was Keith Jackson too, and he's such a great announcer. He's so well known, and it might have been one of his worst calls ever. Oh, Williams is down. terrible. Oh, he stays in is he in bounds? We don't know. Touchdown.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it was. Wasn't, wasn't I wasn't even I don't even think it was that enthusiastic. It wasn't like it was like a golf announcer at this point. It was terrible. 78 yards, sugar ball record for a punt return for a touchdown. He got absolutely nothing for it. I mean, you want to watch it. He's breaking through tackles, like Drew said. He barely stayed in balance too. He was getting close on the sideline, but he makes it 27 13. Miami crawling back into this game. There's still 12 minutes left. So there's a lot of time on the clock. Third and one. Alabama is stuffed. Miami defense comes up big. Coach does go for it. Fourth and inches. We're around midfield at this point. And they get it. Alabama converts on the fourth and inches. That's got to be so deflating for Miami. And then the pass interference penalty. Did you see this? There is so many guys swarming them. Just a idiocracy from the Miami defenders.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's three guys, three Miami defenders versus one Alabama receiver. And they just like. They just, like, trampled over the guy. It wasn't even, like, I don't even know how to explain it. They weren't even going for the ball, and all you saw was the Alabama receiver just on the ground, just laid out, and it was like, ah, oh,
0: nice land. I, I think he was down before the ball even, like, got to where they needed to be. Like, it was that bad. Yeah. Just frustration at that point. Long drive for Alabama, and they get a touchdown. So, at this point, 34-13. I also think one of the things for Keith Jackson, maybe he was an Alabama fan. He wasn't a fan of the touchdown, but I don't know. This was just a one-sided beating under five minutes to go, Alabama ball. Then they just kind of cut our feeds again. Miami, they're back at their own five. What are they supposed to do? You're down 34, 13 minute and a half left. These announcers are thanking everyone already. They know this game is over. They just want to get out of here. Miami has a nice long drive to end it, but. Can't even get the touchdown on the last play. Clock expired, and that's our final. Alabama 34, Miami 13, and it was just a crazy, crazy game because you've got the one seed coming in against the two seed. Like we said, Miami's been the number one all year long, and for it to just end like that, such a disappointment for Miami.
1: Truly really was Miami was actually favored to win this game, which before the game, which I don't know exactly how much they were favored by. I just I've read that they were eight favored. points. Eight points. That inc- that is incredible because this Alabama defense was like this team was dope for their defense. They led the nation in fewest points allowed. They only allowed nine point two per game in the regular season. So that, that, I mean that's that's crazy, and they yeah. ended up preventing Miami from even scoring an offensive touchdown during the game. So I. I'm just shocked. Like that, that this Alban defense, I mean, they they really just won the game for, i mean, granted the offense did well with, with Lastic as well, but like they were really a big part of this game.
0: Absolutely, they were. Can't give them enough credit because if it wasn't for them, or even if, you know, say Gino turns things around and he has a heck of a night, who knows what we would have had in this game, but that defense sure seemed to have his number. Alabama now, after this one, they've won 11 of the last 12 against Miami so no one can say bad things about Alabama against good teams and in the season I forgot to mention they only allowed one touchdown in the first quarter so that's really big it's not like their defense got off to a slow start they did well through and through Derek Lassic, the MVP of this game rightfully so right 28 carries 135 yards two touchdowns no debate here
1: yeah, I certainly think he should be really thinking his offensive line. He's a really strong runner, though, but he got some excellent blocks this whole game. And that was something else.
0: Can't have a great runner without a great O line. And Tarrant Lynch, five carries, 39 yards. Sherman Williams, seven carries, 18 yards with the touchdown there. As for Miami, their rushers, Larry Jones, five carries, 28 yards. Danelle Bennett, three carries, 26 yards. Then they had two guys with one yard and one guy with negative eight yards. So, We knew Miami had no rushing game at all. Jay Barker, passing wise for Alabama, horrendous. Four completions out of 13 attempts, two interceptions he threw for 18 yards. You want to talk about a poor passer rating? That's got to be terrible. Gino Toretta for Miami, 24 completions on 56 attempts, threw three interceptions, didn't throw a single touchdown, finishes the game 278 yards, but the end of the day, really nothing that could happen at all. So anything else about this game or we jump into awards now? Yeah, we'll,
1: we'll talk some awards now. Uh, we got I'll start with the Heisman Trophy. I'll go right, right with the most outstanding player. You know, winner was maybe not the most outstanding player. I don't think <laughs> Gino Toretta won with 1,400 votes and in second, Marshall Falk. So we know uh, he his his game actually like Went transferred to the NFL very nicely from San Diego State as a sophomore with 1,080 votes. And then Garrison Hurst, a running back from Georgia, 982. Marvin Jones from Florida State as a linebacker, 392. And then Reggie Reggie Brooks from Notre Dame, senior running back, 294.
0: So real quick, before you move on to the next award, I just Googled Geno's stats from the year, right? we i don't think we mentioned it. he had 19 touchdowns and 7 interceptions in the year so like that's really not that great of a ratio throwing wise 228 completions on 402 attempts so that's 56.7% out of those 228 completions 3060 yards he threw for so 7.6 yards a uh, completion not the best in the world 19 touchdowns to 7 interceptions We'd obviously have to see the rest of them, but looking at stats wise, that's really not that remarkable of a year.
1: No, but I what really was what got him it. I mean, his he was arguably had the best quarterback stats that year. It was a really weak year for quarterbacks in college football, and I, I guess they favored the quarterback over the running back because the three of the five finalists were running backs. But Gino Toretto was by far the best quarterback, so that, that, that's kind of what won him for him the regular season because. The still denying he's passing wasn't as big of a deal as it is now. So, but we got some other awards I got to do read because Gino Toretta actually won a few of these other awards. He won plenty as I'm looking at them. The Maxwell Award for which is given to the College Player of the Year, Gino Toretta, Walter Camp Award, Gino Toretta, Davy O'Brien Award, Gino Toretta, and then AFCA Coach of the Year, Gene Stallings of Alabama, and then. The Paul Bryant Coach of the Year, Gene Stallings of Alabama. So, Alabama is are, really recognized.
0: Why are there two Coach of the Year awards? I don't understand.
1: I am not sure. One of them is given by the American Football Coaches Association, and the other one is given by the American Heart Association. So, there's some fun fact there.
0: The American Heart Association giving a Coach of the Year awards. Interesting.
1: Any, it's, other of these,
0: any other ones you want to touch on here? Or not really. They're kind of all just meh.
1: Yeah, um, this American Heart Association Award I won't touch on for another second. It's been given annually since 1986 to NCAA college coaches to lose the Coach of the Year, and it's given at a banquet that is hosted each year in January in Houston, mm. Texas. Fun That's
0: kind of cool. At least you win that award. You get to go down there to the banquet, but that was it. Out of 107 teams in Division One A, Alabama defeats Miami in the Sugar Bowl, the National Championship. That's everything, guys. Alabama defeating Miami easily the I would say the worst game we watched Drew you might disagree
1: I disagree a little bit Jordan I really liked watching this Alabama defense they they had five down linemen sometimes they would sometimes ran four and they had it out of a linebacker kind of like either blitz or like he, he showed a blitz and he dropped back in coverage I just
0: think I think like this Alabama team is really fun to watch so what would be worse than this is my question of the games we watched I mean Spurs Pistons that was okay
1: Um, I gotta think. I I think Super Bowl, um,
0: Super Bowl three
1: might have been the worst for me last week. Yeah,
0: I should have thought of that. That one was Super Bowl seven, too. I know you weren't a big Super Bowl seven guy either, but yeah, we try. We try. I mean, I figured one seed, two seed coming in. There's no way this is a bad game, and it was just one sided. And we see that a lot. Alabama, Ohio State, what just happened this past year in the championship wasn't even close. I remember I was announcing a game. And, like, the guy next to me in the booth was giving me updates and stuff because he heard me mention it. It was so one-sided, and I was shocked to hear it. But that's everything for Episode 9. Only one episode left, and most likely it's going to be Friday again next week. We're going to have to fine-tune things, figure it out. Stay tuned to our social media pages for that. You'll get all the updates on Facebook, Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. Follow and like us on their Instagram, Jordan crew youtube we're on jordan and drew the sports crew apple podcast leave us a five star review follow us on there and that's all i
1: got drew what you you can follow me twitter drew skyberg
0: a d-r-e-w s-k-y-b-e-r-g that's all i got jordan as well drew and i are going to be the newest writers for uh wisconsin sports page so catch us on there we'll be making it and yeah that's basically everything so thank you all for listening to episode nine of Jordan and Drew's Summer Sports Spectacular, the perfect podcast for you.